Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip you're about to hear originally aired on my YouTube channel. And before we get into it, you can leave a five-star review. If you can subscribe, download to the podcast, like and share, whatever you have to do, I greatly appreciate that. Helps the podcast out a lot. Helps us reach more people. What I would hope is this beneficial content. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. It is 12.52 p.m. East Coast time. It's Tuesday, November 12th. We're going to take our initial look, our initial interest at every single position for the week. Again, it's Tuesday, right? So we'll check back in on Friday with some of our final thoughts on YouTube. Along the week, I'll have some other content dropping for showdown slates every single day, NBA slates. And then also on Patreon, we'll have a ton of content as well, including all of my weekend content ends up being on Patreon for the most part. Closing thoughts on Sunday, Cash Game Tears, our live stream on Saturday. So if you are new here, welcome. I do want to introduce myself. My name is Sal Vetri. I do indeed cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, MLB, and the WNBA streets. Thank you for tuning into this NFL Week 11. 11 teams playing, 4 teams on by. Well, 22 teams playing, 11 games, 4 teams on by. We're going to get into it. I'm very excited. Before we do... Check the link down below or the description down below for links to my social media accounts. You can follow me over on Twitter. I post some um, just statistics and and relevant fantasy information that I think is beneficial. You can follow me there. Uh, Instagram as well. Sal Vetri posting more content out on the Instagram streets as well as right here on YouTube. Hitting the subscribe button. Listening on the audio version. If you hit the follow and subscribe rate and review helps me out a ton. The biggest thing where a lot of my content lives outside of YouTube in this podcast. The majority of it really lives on Patreon linked up down below at this point. I put in about 25 hours a week, if not a little bit more now, closer to 30 to 35 hours a week with the NBA starting up over on Patreon as opposed to about 15 hours per week over on YouTube. So if you want my content and you do enjoy it, well, if you want it, you can watch it right here. But if you do enjoy it and want a little bit more, there is more offered over on Patreon, not just content, but actionable Excel sheets and projections, uh, game-by-game notes that usually is around 15 pages. Every player from every single game that I think is valuable and meaningful releases on Thursdays, uh, live streams, podcasts as well. So check it all out linked up down below. That's all the plugs. That's it, gang. Over my shoulder is a target offense sheet. Let's get into this one. Target offense sheet. You can take a screenshot if you want. You do get it over on Patreon as well. If it's a little fuzzy, uh, you can get it over there. But this is a target offense sheet. This is updated positional defenses versus position. If it's just a high-level look, of course, don't just go off of defense versus position stats. They're highly skewed, especially for the tight end position. Uh, we're getting to the point in the season where we have now 9, 10 games of data on some teams. But even then, it's 9 to 10 games relative to other sports. We would never even look at that big of a sample as being significant. But we have to in the NFL since there's only 16 games of the regular season to even choose from. That said, it could be heavily skewed, so keep an eye on it. Vegas totals here, pace, all that. Let's start it off with the quarterbacks. Appreciate it if you can hit the subscribe button. We crushed through 15,200 subscribers. On to 20K. The goal is to have 20K by Christmas. I think we can hit it, so appreciate it. And for the subscribers over on the podcast, thank you for tuning in over there. So we'll start it up for the quarterbacks early in the week. Interest, things will change, but let's check it out right now. I'll blow this up for the quarterback page. Small pool relative to uh, past week. Seven players right now in this pool. Uh, starting at the top with some of my yeses. Derek Carr, look, he's 6,100. He's been performing rather well, really well this season. Has the highest total on the slate at 29.5. Should be a good pay spot. Right now, since he 21, 24.1 fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position this season is the third highest or fourth highest on this slate. Pretty much a virtual tie with Oakland, their opponent, for the third highest on the slate. And you have Derek Carr with a team that's getting healthy, right? 
Tyrell Williams a couple weeks removed from injury. Zay Jones, who is nowhere near a offensive weapon, but he's been playing big snaps on the outside as a consistent at least wide receiver too, to go along with who's probably the number one option in this offense in the passing game, Darren Waller in the middle of the field, and not to mention Drake Kirkpatrick still injured for Cincinnati in their secondary. And overall, this offense generates no pass rush, bottom 10 in pass rush, bottom five in tackling, bottom five in pass coverage. You can see why I like Derek Carr. Everything suits up nicely. He's a 10 and a half point favorite, which is kind of a concern for being priced at 6,100. We could see the game go very Josh Jacobs heavy, who I also have interest in. But he's definitely in a player pool of quarterbacks I like this week. Drew Brees coming off of his stinker. You probably heard it multiple times. The least points that they've scored did not throw a passing touchdown. And the least points, and you remember his streak of continuous passing touchdowns, least points scored in the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era. Uh, it was a spot where they were they were big favorites in this game, huge favorites, double-digit size favorites, and they don't even put up the amount of points they were supposed to win by. Pretty interesting. 6,900, though. Now he gets Tampa. Clean slate. Don't worry about last week. He's a five-point favorite against Tampa, 27.5-point team total. Tampa Bay gives up the second-most fantasy points per game to the quarterback position, only to Arizona on this slate. Gotta like the spot for Drew Brees here. They released Vernon Hargraves, who is their slot cornerback slash outside cornerback, who's been absolutely atrocious. But if they're releasing him because he's been that bad and they haven't been playing people ahead of him, this Tampa Bay secondary now for three years now, now going on two very strong years, has been terrible. And their run defense for about a year and a half is the only thing that's kept them alive in some of these games and really being a decent ranked defense is their run defense. So you get Alvin Kamara splitting touches with Latavius Murray here and there, at least five carries for Murray to Kamara's four. I get it. The snap count was Murray only seeing 25% of the snaps or so it's Alvin Kamara's 80 but the big deal there was they were down all game so he's obviously going to get more run because of needing to be trailing used in the receiving game he catches eight balls on 10 targets Kamara but now Drew Brees in a game where they are favorites but it's going to be difficult to establish any sort of run here so with that being said I do like Drew Brees I love the option for Michael Thomas for Drew Brees' prospects, Thomas Price a little bit steep. Uh, he's averaging 34 pass attempts per game, Drew Brees this season, a little bit propelled downward because he left the game early. I think that's factoring in. So it's actually closer to probably 40. Matt Ryan against Carolina, not a great team total of 22. Should be a fast paced game. We'll see if James Bradbury comes back. If not, it's just going to be a field day for Julio Jones. The concerns are that Devonta Freeman's supposed to miss time. Austin Hooper's supposed to miss time. So in their place, you're putting in Luke Stocker, nowhere near the upside of Austin Hooper, obviously, and you're putting in Brian Hill, nowhere near the upside of Devonta Freeman, in my opinion, at least in the receiving game. So the receiving game and moving the chains takes a huge hit here for a run game that has a good matchup against Carolina, but their run blocking has been terrible. Their offensive lineman that they drafted this year on injury, already on injury reserve, lots of other guys banged up. They had a terrible offensive lineman in terms of their reserves and depth coming into the season, and now it's showing its true colors. So there are concerns for Matt Ryan, but a 15 and a half total, 22 point uh, team total and a six and a half point underdog. Some things to worry about, but at the end of the day, even if Bradbury plays, you have Julio, you have Ridley and Russell Gage coming out of the slot, I think is going to be a decent enough replacement. And he has shown to be that for a couple weeks now, nowhere near probably the comfortability or trust in Muhammad Sanu for obvious reasons of being there multiple years and running the most routes on the team. And one of the most trusted pieces for Matt Ryan and an offense that even has Julio Jones in it. Uh, but I do think there's enough there at this price tag for it to matter. Again, he's averaging 40 attempts on the number this season per game. Lastly, Jameis Winston. Well, lastly, for my yeses, there's some more guys we'll briefly touch on. Jameis Winston, I have a lot of interest in at 6,500. I mean, he consistently um, is producing 39.4 pass pass attempts per game, 307.2 yards per game. Uh, In this spot right here, he's a five-point underdog with a 22.5 team total. I like the idea that he's going to have to throw in this one and probably throw a lot. And here's a big thing. Marshawn Lattimore's status is going to dictate how much interest I have in 
Jameis Winston. Chris Godwin has already beaten up on New Orleans once this season, and he's in a good spot. You have O.J. Howard resurrecting back to life with a season-high 41 routes run last week and 99% of the snaps. His previous season-high was 40, but after that, it was in the 20s for his routes run. He ends up seeing seven targets, catches a touchdown, two big catches uh, towards the end of the first half, one getting him into the end zone last week for Tampa Bay. And now you have Jameis, who Goblin has a good matchup. OJ Howard has a good matchup. And if Marshawn Lattimore is out, a guy who has goose egg Mike Evans throughout his career at times, especially this season, held him to no catches on three targets. I do like Jameis Winston a ton more if you see no Marshawn Lattimore. It'll be a field day for Evans, for Godwin, and even for OJ Howard. Yes, indeed. My other interests are going to be Sam Darnold to an extent. Very good matchup against Washington. They're one point underdogs, believe it or not, against Washington. This is very surprising to me. Uh, with Dwayne Haskins starting, I get it, they're on the road, but one point underdogs, Sam Darnold should be throwing the ball a little bit more, averaging 34 attempts per game. The pace here is disgusting. I uh, imagine a lot of running from Washington, even with Dwayne Haskins in there, he might not throw more than 20 times. So that's why Sam Darnold is a question mark for me. And at the end of the day, I probably don't get the stacks here. I probably don't get to just a really bad overall team total of 18.75. I'm actually going to put this to a no. Like I can't see myself getting to Sam Darnold uh, in terms of stacking or definitely not in cash. So I'll just take one-offs of Robbie Anderson, uh, maybe Le'Veon Bell, but I really can't see myself getting to Sam Darnold. Dak Prescott, I do like because both of his receivers are in good spots. I don't care about Darius Slayton or Darius Slay on the outside against Amari Cooper. Cooper has made Xavier Howard and Jair Alexander and Jalen Mills, who came back in his first game and has looked now good since returning for the Eagles, but his first game he played Amari. He's made these quality to really good cornerbacks in this league look terrible. Marshawn Lattimore, the only guy who has held him down for like a five catch 50 something yard game. So I do like uh, Dak. Amari should have a good matchup. Michael Gallup on the other side will have a good matchup. It's a nice spot at 6,700, a little bit steep maybe, but I think it's an overall uh, nice spot for the highest overall game total on the slate. And then Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen is in a, this is fantastic, $5,300. The fastest pace game on the slate according to my pace projections here. 28 and a half team total here, 50 and a half game total. Good spot, six and a half point favorite. It's a concentrated offense. So when we're talking about stacking, we like this. McCaffrey averaging 27 attempts or 27 total touches per game. He's going to get the ball in the passing game. Last week, they only threw to five guys. That's pretty much who they've been throwing to all season long. DJ Moore, or in this order, uh, DJ Moore, McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, Greg Olson, and Jerry Schreider. The priority is probably in this offense. So I like DJ Moore. I like Curtis Samuel. And obviously I like Christian McCaffrey. Price point doesn't change. So I'm going to get to Kyle Allen in a matchup against Atlanta where they give up 23.7 fantasy points per game to the quarterback. That is top five on the slate. In the spot where they have right now a top four total on the slate at 28 and a half in the fastest paced game. Kyle Allen right now is a question mark for me in, in terms of a maybe in my player pool of six quarterbacks. He probably takes in the spot as a yes because both of his wide receivers are cheap this week, which means it's a low priced, high upside stack. He has taken many steps forward. He had over 300 yards against the Packers on a drive and his only interception was on a deflection and, and it ends up getting deflected into the end zone. So it wasn't really his fault at all. And then he goes the length of the field at the end of the game on a drive. They are so confident that they put Cam Newton on IR and immediately afterwards said, he's probably not coming back here next year, Cam Newton reports broke. So that's how much confidence they have in Kyle Allen uh, to get rid of just Cam Newton. So yes, Kyle Allen, at least for this week in a really good matchup, I have interest in as a six and a half point favorite. Running backs here. So if you're still listening, hit that subscribe button. I really appreciate it. It takes a couple of seconds. Thank you. So top of the list, Christian McCaffrey's price doesn't change. Again, this fastest paced game, good team total, six and a half point favorite, helps him the most as a running back. And this man is averaging right now, as I updated the overall touches, he is averaging 27.2 opportunities per game, 6.67 targets per game, and 20.56 rushing attempts per game. The rushing attempts are the most in the slate. The targets are pretty much a virtual tie with, believe it or not, James White, who has 6.88 targets per game. If you want this stat sheet, it's not fully updated yet, but it will be updated by tomorrow. You can get that over on Patreon as well. Uh, I added a light package. So there's packages for like $20 and $35. I added a $10 package for some of the non-exclusive. You get 
a lot of exclusive content, but not all of it, like my podcasts and things like that and projections, but you will get all the stat sheets, um, all the Monday Night Football tiers, things like that. You can check it out if you're interested. But McCaffrey, in just a smash fight against Atlanta. It's hard not to like him on a slate where, honestly, the other payup options might be quality running backs, one in Dalvin Cook in a difficult spot, and I just don't have as much interest in him because of that. Although Dalvin Cook rivals McCaffrey this year, seeing 25.1 touches per game. Second highest on the slate, slightly ahead of Leonard Fournette. So McCaffrey, hard not to like the guy. Look, McCaffrey had 140 yards in a touchdown last week, scored 30 fantasy points or 29 point something, and it seemed like he disappointed. He should have had another touchdown. Late in the game, Kyle Allen throws over, under throws him on a two-yard touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Uh, he would have walked in. He would have had a 38-point fantasy day at the minimum. They could tie that game and go to overtime. He can get the two-point conversion. Who knows? But he would have had 38 points if Kyle Allen doesn't underthrow him. The only bad part, or really one of the only uh, negatives from Kyle Allen on the day, in my opinion. McCaffrey stands out as a guy that I prioritize. He's probably a lock button in cash, and he's really hard to get away from in tournaments on this type of a slate where there's not really that many um, options and a lot of value at uh, tight end this week, a lot of value even at quarterback, uh, lots of value at running back opening up because of Devontae Freeman and Ty Johnson injuries. Leonard Fournette, difficult matchup against the Colts. Honestly, one of the more difficult matchups on the slate for a running back. But here we're banking on opportunity. 25 overall t- opportunity touches or opportunities per game in terms of targets plus touches. It's very surprising. This guy continues to dominate in the receiving game. 5.67 targets per game is actually top five on the slate. And then you see 19.3 opportunities on the ground. He's seeing right now um, somewhere, I believe it was 32. Yes, 32 red zone touches is tied uh, with Josh Jacobs and tied with Christian McCaffrey. 7,900 is a weird price point where I actually like the next guy in this list, Josh Jacobs, more for $1,000 less and a similar at least running game role and also a really good matchup. You get Leonard Fournette as a three-point underdog here, but that should, if anything, boost his floor in the receiving game where he's a guy that's averaging close to 10 fantasy points per game or eight fantasy points per game in the receiving game alone. He's due for touchdown regression coming off of a bye. Leonard Fournette makes sense. He's not maybe a priority for me, but he's one of the five guys that are in the yes early in the week in a player pool. Right next to Christian McCaffrey in terms of priorities this week is probably Josh Jacobs early in the week, right? It's Tuesday. So when I say priorities, all this can get sorted out. I haven't done my game by game notes yet. I haven't done a deeper dive. I've done a pretty deep dive into this slate already in terms of recapping last week's targets and touches and looking ahead into this slate. On Tuesday, I probably have about 15 hours of work done in terms of recapping last week and into this slate. So Josh Jacobs, 6,900, really nice pay spot. Again, highest total on the slate. And he's a 10 and a half point favorite. What do you look for? Well, you look for running backs who have good matchups. Well, Cincinnati, 29.8 fantasy points per game allowed this season. Second highest on the slate, only to Detroit. And now Detroit is getting healthier. So I think we could logistically say that this might be the best matchup on the slate. I think it is for Josh Jacobs. Ding, ding, ding. Good matchup. 10 and a half point favorite. Ding, ding, ding. High team total, 29.5. Ding, ding, ding. The only thing Jacobs is missing this week is a passing game role, but he probably doesn't need it as a 10.5 point favorite. Again, he has 32 red zone rushing attempts this season, um, which you're seeing out of him is 18.67 rush attempts per game, 2.3 targets per game. So there is sort of a one reception floor for this guy or medium in terms of he can probably get you two to three fantasy points more times than not in the receiving game. Might be a little bit touchdown dependent, but in this matchup, I love it at 6,900. He's probably five to $600 too cheap. Brian Hill at 4,800. Uh, you're gonna, you're probably not going to have Devonta Freeman. Brian Hill caught a 10-yard touchdown. He had two receptions. Not really a guy who catches the ball, but will catch some. We saw it in the preseason as well. He caught a couple balls. Uh, but on the ground, I expect him to take most of the work from uh, Kenyon Barner. We saw him play 51% of the snaps in a game where Freeman gets hurt. I think he's a nice play here against Carolina, who has been struggling. They give up the third most fantasy points per game to the running back position, 29.6 on this slate. The team total and the spread is worrisome. Six and a half point underdog for a guy who doesn't really catch the ball. Maybe he gets game scripted out for Kenyon Barner, who's a little bit more of a pass catcher, and he only has a 22 team total. So I like the guy below him a little bit better for cheaper running backs. J.D. McKissick at 4,600. Likely no Ty Johnson because of a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol. 
We'll see if he comes out of it. A very nice team total. He's a three and a half point underdog, so not nearly as worse as being a six and a half point underdog. Still is a good matchup against Dallas. They give up above average fantasy points per game to the running back position with 26. But the thing, big thing with J.D. McKissick is this is a guy who's just seeing targets. I mean, even before Ty Johnson, he played 70 plus percent of the snaps last week when Ty Johnson went down and had 16 overall touches, six receptions six receptions. The week before that, he was playing on half the snaps. He was seeing half the usage and and had double the yards as Ty Johnson. He's a very effective back in his career. He averages close to five yards per touch, both in the, on the ground and in the receiving game. He's just been cut by so many teams because he usually doesn't have enough opportunity. And he's like a very good backup. Why, hence why he's still in the league after many of years of being a backup, because he's actually skillful. Now he has a chance to take on the full responsibilities in this offense. The downsides are Jeff Driscoll can continue to start and your drives are stalled. Driscoll showed some upside. The downsides for Driscoll in relation to J.D. McKissick or stall drives, red zone chances. And then also Driscoll is pretty mobile, so that can hurt McKissick. But again, we're talking about a $4,600 running back who, in my opinion, with Paul Perkins, the only viable guy behind them if they don't sign anybody and Ty Johnson misses, is probably going to see a minimum of 60% of the snaps and likely 70 plus percent like you saw last week. I think you could slate J.D. McKissick in more times than not for a three to four reception week, which if you're getting seven fantasy points, probably on average, right? Three catches for 30 yards, four catches for 30 yards, somewhere in there six to seven fantasy points as a projection in the receiving game for a $4,600 running back. More times than not, he's going to end up on a lot of projection systems for 12 to 13 points. And at 4,600, it's hard to ignore, even as an underdog because of his pass catching role. Second fastest pace game projected for me on the slate. Those are my five yeses in terms of my top tier interest as of Tuesday, of course, subject to change. In terms of my second tier guys, Ezekiel Elliott against Detroit. Good matchup. Detroit getting healthier. Zeke, $9,000. I think it's a fair price point for a guy who has not been seeing as much of a passing game role the last two weeks, which was surprising in a game where Dallas was in a spot where Dak threw for almost 409 yards. I think 397 yards and Zeke only sees, I believe, two receptions on a couple of targets. Not great sees no work the week before in their passing game. So Zeke is definitely of interest. If you're not going to pay all the way up for McCaffrey, my next favorite option paying up is Zeke over Dalvin Cook this week. Devin Singletary versus Miami. Look, he's priced up to 6K. It's a good matchup against Miami. I don't think Frank Gore is out of the mix. He's played 66% or more, 66, 67, and 68% of the snaps the last three weeks for Singletary. So he's definitely on the field more. But we saw last week the snaps in the, in, were different and skewed way more in Singletary's favor but they're still giving Frank Gore the touches when he's on the field. So that's a bit of a concern. Good matchup for Singletary, though. I do think he's in play, of course. Joe Mixon ran the ball 30 times, and people think that Giovanni Bernard was ruled out in this game. They wrongfully ruled him out on their social media, but trust me, I was watching this game, and I watched the replay. He was playing late in the third and fourth quarter. Giovanni Bernard played the whole game, and Joe Mixon still got 30 carries last week. He's a 10.5-point underdog, so the only reason I have him as a maybe was really to bring up the point that Cincinnati doesn't care. They benched Andy Dalton. AJ Green's probably not going to play this season. And Ryan Finley can't throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield. Ryan Finley can be a fine quarterback and a fine person in terms of throwing the ball downfield and helping you win games. Not going to be there. They just said, you know what? Every play, why not just hand it off to Joe Mixon? He had 30 carries. He had a good game, mainly because of the volume and you're going to get more opportunities to bust some bigger your plays. But he actually looked good. Good matchup this week against Oakland. Even if you're down 10 and a half, I think Joe Mixon probably still sees 18 plus carries based on what we saw last week. Le'Veon Bell is priced up to 7200 I'd rather pay for Josh Jacobs, $300 less. I'd probably f- rather find the rest of the money to get to Leonard Fournette. But what we have seen, two weeks ago, Le'Veon Bell sat down with his head coach and said to Adam Gaze, hey, I want more work. Adam Gaze, they came out of that. Bell told reporters that it went very well, and we're on the same page. He got 25 touches two weeks ago, eight receptions. He gets 22 touches last week and sees even more receptions, and his floor in the receiving game has come back alive for seven-plus points in back-to-back weeks. So 
I mean, eight receptions on one week, obviously seven points there, but last week as well, uh, having about 30-something yards in the receiving game on a handful of catches. So 7,200, it's a fair price point and a good matchup against Washington. I, I do like this as a, a one-point underdog. You're going to get both the Le'Veon Bell neutral game script of passing, pass catching, maybe four or five receptions, probably closer to three to four receptions. And then on the ground, you probably see those carries spike somewhere to 16 to 18, if not more. Then the rest of this value is opening up this week. So far, you have Jordan Howard against New England. New England's ranked 24th in run defense. Oh my God, what, what? No, they're not. Yeah, people think New England's run defense is fantastic because they're so good overall because of their secondary and slightly their pass rush. The run defense is ranked 24th overall. The reason they're not giving up a lot of yards to running backs, well, is because they just don't have an, an opportunity of these teams to go up and run the ball all that much against New England because they're down so much. So they'll, they'll carry the ball like 12 times per game because they're down by two to three scores because their defense scores so many damn touchdowns. But in neutral game scripts, as they're only three-point underdogs here, Jordan Howard, not the sexiest of options. Miles Sanders at 4,100, not the sexiest of options, but they're actually in play for their matchup and what seems like a more neutral game script than a blowout as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. I'd rather have Frank Gore than Kalen Balazs this week in the same matchup. Kalen Balazs shot 20 carries last week, 82% of the snaps. He just sucks. He has a slate high 25% stuff rate. That's not good. He's just terrible. I don't care about the opportunity being there. He's a six and a half point underdog for a guy who doesn't catch the ball and he has no breakaway percentage. He gets stuffed so often. He has no broken uh, yards after the care or yards after contact. None of this broken tackles, elusiveness. He's all dead last in the league. He's terrible. Uh, Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman. These are both big news, big news for this week. 12 and a half point favorite as a 29 team total in a good matchup against Arizona. Matt Breida gets hurt for the third straight week. And how many times? Pretty much every week in his career, this guy gets hurt. If Matt Breida's ankle on a short week because they played on Monday Night Football is not healed, $6,100 Tevin Coleman becomes a fantastic play. And even Raheem Mostart would probably see about 30 to 35% of the snaps becomes a viable play. I have a lot of interest in Tevin Coleman if Matt Breida is ruled out. If Matt Breida is in and healthy, at $5,000, I actually prefer Breida there for $1,100 cheaper and a guy who might see a similar role, maybe even a better pass catching role. So we'll see how that folds out as the week goes on. Wide receivers, to you over on the audio version of this podcast, if you're still listening, please do hit the five-star rate and review. It's a little box on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, iTunes primarily. Just hit the five stars, takes a couple seconds, really helps me out. And if you leave a review, just just say, um, great show, whatever it might be, leave your fantasy draft handle, you'll be entered into a raffle to win a fantasy draft contest ticket. So excuse me real quickly while I take a sip of this fine water right here, clear my throat. That water's pretty much empty. That was awful. I got like three drips, three drips, drops, drip drops out of that. Terrible, terrible. Wide receiver is always going to be a lot of players because there's a lot of teams. Two teams back from by this week. So right now I have 23 players on an interest board. Julio Jones at the top, even if Bradbury plays, he's just going to have to get fun on more targets. High pace game. I like it. Um, We'll touch on some players in depth, but for the most part, we know that these players at the top end are good, right? Chris Godwin's already torn up New Orleans. He's a good pair option at his price tag of 7300 I don't care that he struggled the past couple of weeks. Good pair option for Jameis Winston. Maybe OJ Howard being back in the middle of the field limits some of the touchdown upside for Godwin, and I do think there's actually something behind that saying that. If, Chris, if OJ Howard's going to run 35, 40 routes and be active in the red zone, it's obviously not great in the middle of the field for Godwin, right? So there is a bump down, I do believe, if OJ Howard continues to run a lot of routes, and maybe he is overpriced a little bit, but I think he's still in a good spot. Michael Gallup, I do like. I have Amari Cooper right now as a, a maybe, but he's definitely going to be a yes for me. Amari's matchup, I don't care who's going up against him. He's matchup proof at this point, and I imagine Dak in this type of a game will throw 35 plus times. John Brown's a yes, but he's probably more so towards a maybe. He just has a very good floor, and we've yet to see him explode against a good matchup now in Miami. Good pace game. Obviously, a good matchup against Miami on the outside. No real cornerbacks to threaten him. Could just be a very much so only throw Josh Allen 26 times game, but even then, John Brown can get there. Price point coming up, though, is a little bit concerning. I'm going to make John Brown instead of a yes, a maybe. 
The Carolina receivers, I like both of them. This is why this stack is so nice. Kyle Allen is cheap in a good matchup. DJ Moore is 5,900. And DJ Moore, I talked about on today's Awesome Show with Lofi. He's like the perfect mixture of a wide receiver. He sees 8.8 targets per game, so nine targets per game. And he sees about 11 air yards per game. The top end, like down threat field receivers see about like 14 air yards per game, but they only see like six targets per game. So you get this perfect mixture of a DJ Moore who's catching the high upside targets in the middle of the field that, one, are easy to convert on because they're not as deep, and two, they're still deep enough downfield to where his catches are piling on a lot of yardage, and potentially if he breaks a couple tackles, we'll get even more yards into the 20s. So DJ Moore, 5,900 in this matchup, way too cheap for 28 implied, 28 and a half team total in the highest total in the slate. Same can be said for Curtis Samuel for even cheaper. I do prefer Moore. He's the preferred target in this offense for Kyle Allen, um, probably even behind. He's getting 8.8 targets per game to Curtis Samuel's 7.6. So both of them are in play. Tyrell Williams for Oakland. If you're going to stack Oakland, you get Darren Waller probably, and then Tyrell Williams is my next next bet. Next best bet, not next next. Um, but 5,400 is a good price tag against just the the absolute dumpster fires of Cincinnati secondary. Russell Gage at 3,300. Okay, so Austin Hooper's out. Mohamed Sanu is now in in Pittsburgh, in New England. 233 routes run for Sanu before he left. And filling in for him since then, Russell Gage, 68 routes run over the last two weeks. And this is in a game last week where they were leading all, all week. He's seen 12 targets over that time for nine receptions very good catch percentage at 75 percent and now there's no hooper so i imagine russell gage continues to run 35 plus routes in a game in carolina which again high total high pace i like russell gage here and the big thing is he's 3300 he's a great cash value he's a good tournament option if you just find him into the end zone he's going to score you probably more weeks than not 13 to 15 points if he just finds the end zone he's going to catch based on his volume and now no hooper and again no sanu and no Devonta Freeman for the short passes. So, oh my God, the more I talk about it, just a really good spot for him. If he catches five balls here for 40 yards and finds his way into the end zone, that's a 15 fantasy point day. And that is not the craziest thing I've ever said to catch five balls out of the slot. He's already caught nine in two weeks. And that was with Hooper and Freeman in, right? So good spot for Gage. Coming out of the slot, especially if Bradbury's in, could maybe limit Julio on the outside. Dante Jackson against Ridley is a probably beneficial matchup for Ridley, but nothing fantastic. I really like Russell Gage this week. D.D. Westbrook is going to be back against the Indianapolis Colts. Coming out of the slot, you get the Colts and you target them with running backs, tight ends, and slot receivers. Good spot for a cheap D.D. And once again, Nick Foles is scheduled to start this week. Do people forget the short memory two months ago, two and a half months ago in the preseason? D.D. Westbrook caught, what, six, seven? He had six or seven targets, caught a touchdown from Nick Foles. And then week one, Nick Foles gets hurt. But everybody was so high on D.D. because of Nick Foles. Um, D.D. uh, DD ends up catching a touchdown later in that game with Gardner Minshew in. But now you get to rekindle this love of D.D. Westbrook and Nick Foles. D.D.'s way too cheap at $4,500. My now maybes, it's a long laundry list of maybes. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, he's probably going to have a top three or four cornerback, depending on who you, how well you rate out Marlon Humphrey on him. Marlon Humphrey has been in the slot, but he's going to move out of the slot to guard DeAndre Hopkins. He will not stay there to guard either Kenny Stills or whoever the hell, Kiki Kute, whoever the hell that they come out of the slot with. Will Fuller is back this week. Kenny Stills will go back into the slot. Either way, Marlon Humphreys will guard DeAndre Hopkins on the outside in what will likely be a shadow matchup. So, that's an okay spot. His price tag's a little bit high, though. I think that right now I have a no on Michael Thomas. He should not be a no. He's going to be a maybe. The only reason he's not a yes is he's $9,900, folks. I'd rather Christian McCaffrey for a little bit more. I'd rather some of these wide receivers who are $3,000 less who have similar upside. Look, if you play Michael Thomas at $9,900, you probably need him to score 30-plus fantasy points. He's done that in back-to-back weeks. But it's pretty hard to just rely on a guy doing that. And I get it. The best matchup you could possibly have. I like Michael Thomas this week. Don't get me wrong. It's just if you're stacking New Orleans, yes, get to Michael Thomas with Jared Cook. Get to Michael Thomas with Traquan Smith. Whatever you want to do there. 
But as a one-off, if I'm already playing McCaffrey or I'm already paying up at any position, right? I'm playing uh, Leonard Fournette or McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs, whatever it is, it's really hard to fit in Michael Thomas and feel good about the rest of my lineup. And sure, he might go out and get 28 points this weekend, but I'm pretty sure there's another seven or 6K receiver who can score 25 plus points this week or around there enough. Maybe they only score 24 points, but they're $4,000 less than him. So it doesn't really burn me. So that's my stance on Thomas. And I think it'll be similar to a lot of other people's where fantastic receiver can surely pay off that tag. He needs a ceiling game to probably do it in the thirties. Uh, and he's been doing it. So yeah, he's fine. He's consistent. Um, but you also need everybody else to really shit the bed for that to pay off for you. And he has to go off. Julian Edelman in a really good spot against Philadelphia. Their defense has improved since getting Jalen Mills back in the secondary, but still a fine spot for Julian Edelman uh, as a 24 team total in this game and still a fine matchup against the secondary. DJ Shark is interesting. Probably do prefer DD Westbrook on the same team for a lot cheaper there. Colts do limit the big play on the outside. I'll probably put DJ Shark as a no for now. We also don't know what DJ Shark will be like with Nick Foles for a full season, right? He's been playing with Gardner Minshew, um, so a little bit of a risk in a spot where Indianapolis does limit the deep ball. Jamison Crowder is now up to 5,700, sort of a steep price tag. I get it. He's been producing, but now he has to sustain this production, and in his career, he's been able to, and with Sam Darnold loving to throw to the slot and Adam Gaze loving to throw to the slot, it seems like a good spot. So slight interest. Hollywood Brown, slight interest. Houston's outside has been just banged up all year long and really getting torched their top five in points allowed to the wide receiver on this slate good total for hollywood brown the only issue here is this is a run first team they scored 49 points last week two defensive scores only 17 17 pass attempts for lamar jackson because of the two run stops or or defensive touchdowns you want to hear a crazy stat 22 total routes run for the wide receivers of Baltimore last week. In a game, they win by 36 with 49 points. 12 routes run for Hollywood Brown. 10 for Willie Sneed. No other wide receiver ran a route. Yes, obviously the tight ends ran routes, but they're not wide receivers. So I'm going to put, you know what? I'm going to put Marcus Marquise Brown right now as a no. Look, they're big size favorites. I don't even know. When is Lamar Jackson going to be needed to be forced to throw the ball like 30 times? If he throws 24 times in this game and you get Hollywood Brown running 20 routes, yes, he has the big play upside. We saw him catch a, ta- catch a touchdown this week. But relative to other guys in his price range, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Tyrell Williams, he's there. Go, those guys are going to run two to three times more routes than him and more times than not have double the amount of targets as him. So I'm going to lay off for right now. Terry McLaurin, another guy who's a maybe, but I might make him a no on this live video right now. Well, it's not live. I'm me recording it live on my end. Hello, hello. Um, Terry McLaurin gets Dwayne Haskins as his quarterback. Daryl Roberts might miss again. Tremaine Johnson's on IR. We saw with Darius Slayton a similar comp to Terry McLaurin. McLaurin way more talented in my opinion, but at least early on. But a similar comp as in a big size jump ball receiver who has a lot of speed. But he has Dwayne Haskins throwing him the ball. And no matter how good the matchup is, do I really trust Dwayne Haskins to even throw the ball 20 times, to even target McLaurin six times and complete half of those passes? So 5,600 is a good price for McLaurin and as good of a matchup as it gets on the outside receivers against the Jets. But I'm going to have to put him as a no right now because I just don't trust Dwayne Haskins. Calvin Ridley is definitely in play, especially if James Bradbury is back. They probably try and shut down Julio with no Hooper and with no Freeman and obviously no Sanu for multiple weeks now. Ridley's going to have to take a step forward. Tyler Boyd is a gross spot because Ryan Finley throws the ball five yards downfield. Boyd can have 10 targets in this game, catch six of them and only have 30 yards in the game. That's how bad Ryan Finley looks. So Boyd at $5,200 is cheap enough, but I still prefer Curtis Samuel. I still prefer Tyler Williams in that same price range. I'll put him as a no as well. Let's just shorten this player pool as we go. Mohamed Sanu, I actually do like. We saw him get double-digit targets that last primetime game for New England um, against the Baltimore Ravens, and actually a tough matchup, much easier matchup now for Sanu, who will primarily play on the outside, probably will draw a lot of Jalen Mills, but still a good spot. Robbie Anderson is what is what he is. I write here, boomer bust per usual at a fine price tag. That's it, 4900 He comes up $200 since last week. He has a good matchup against Washington. Um, a guy in... 
a guy on the outside so far this season for this Washington secondary as a whole has been absolutely terrible. I'm just so bad. It's a good spot for Robbie Anderson this week. And Debo Samuels, $4,000. I have him as a maybe. Don't get carried away here. Oh, I saw him go off on Monday Night Football. Don't get carried away here. Emmanuel Sanders' status. Honestly, if Sanders is out, that might not help Debo Samuel as a number one receiver. You might think that it would. Uh, and you have, it, um, right now you have uh, Patrick Peterson looking very terrible. Looked a little bit better last week, but it's not looked great so far through a month since being back. But he can easily shut down a rookie in Debo Samuel, right? And also, Debo Samuel has not done well as a number one receiver on this team um, when they did not have Sanders. And also, they're 12 and a half point favorites. So I don't think Jimmy G is going to have to throw as much as he did last year to propel up all these big wide receiver games and all their huge route run numbers. So I think more times than not, you probably see Debo Samuel seeing five targets here, which if you think that's enough for him to beat a $4,000 price tag, by all means, go ahead and get it. I'd rather get D.D. Westbrook. I'd rather even get Russell Gage. Zay Jones was $3,300. I'd rather Russell Gage at the price point. I just wanted to put him as a maybe. He's actually a no for me, but I wanted to remember to talk about him. He ran 29 routes last week, and now he's been the number two receiver and running the most routes on the team uh, two weeks ago. He ran the second most routes on the team last week behind Tyrell Williams, so it's tough to want to get there. I prioritize Oakland right now in terms of the passing game as Darren Waller, then Tyrell Williams. I'm not going to get to Zay Jones. I just wanted to make sure I let you guys know that he's actually seeing a lot of uh, usage on this team, just no actual volume. Two more guys left. Well, one more guy left. We already talked about Michael Thomas. Traquan Smith at $3,800. Interesting here. If you want to stack Michael Thomas and Drew Brees, you're going to need another cheap option. I think Jared Cook is a good one, but then I think Traquan Smith is also a nice one. $3,800. He came back here in 43 routes, three more than Ted Ginn. He took over the wide receiver two role last week, playing on 83% of the snaps compared to Ted Ginn, 70% of the snaps. So nice spot for him at $3,800. Let's move to the tight end page. Woo! Been talking. We did the Osmo show. It was an hour. Then I recorded the Thursday night football video. Now we're doing this one. So lots of talking to to myself over the last couple of hours or so. But let's finish strong, gang. Tight end. Darren Waller, top of this list, $5,500, way too cheap against Cincinnati. Even in a spot where Derek Carr might only throw the ball 30 to 32 times, I would expect Darren Waller, a guy who's seeing a healthy target share into the mid-20% range, I would expect this guy to continue his 7.22, third highest on the slate, targets per game, only behind Ertz and Mark Andrews, but he's also priced significantly less than Mark Andrews, $600 less, and I think his matchup is much better than Ertz. Um, for $500 more. OJ Howard is my second yes. I only have two guys as yeses, then a bunch of maybes. OJ Howard ran 41 routes last week. He saw seven targets. He caught a touchdown. He had two big catches towards the end of the first half, and his team's going to have to throw the ball. This is the guy that we've been needing. I liked him last week. I played him last week. This is the guy that we've been needing to kind of make it a cheaper stack with Mike Evans and Goblin so expensive and even Jameis Winston expensive. I do like OJ Howard here as a as a tight end based on last week who I think sustains this production, at least in terms of usage. George Kittle, he's a maybe, but he's so expensive. 12 and a half point favorite. He can still see seven targets though, even if uh, Garoppolo only throws 28 times. So with those seven targets, he can do a lot, especially used around the red zone heavily. Jared Cook saw 10 targets last week. I think he's a fine option at 4,400. Jared Cook's honestly probably my second option for stacking behind Michael Thomas for Saints stacks. Um, Traycon Smith's very close to him, but they rarely use wide receiver twos in this offense. Kamara's split right now, and his price point's a little bit weird for me to want to pay all the way up for Debris, Kamara, and Thomas stacks. Ebron. Ebron and Doyle are very loaded. I don't really want Doyle. I know he scored touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, but he's only had eight targets in two weeks, where Eric Ebron had 12 targets alone last week. He sat down with Frank Wright before the game and said, I want more usage, or a couple midweek, he said, I want more usage. Frank Wright gave him that usage around Wednesday of last week. So, is when they had their sit-down. But Devin Funches is practicing this week off the IR. T.Y. Hilton might return. At the very least, if Funches returns, it will affect how these targets are being dispute, um, dispersed to Zach Pascal, Chester Rogers. Uh, last week, Johnson started on the outside. 
for 80% of the snaps as a wide receiver too. But Eric Ebron and Doyle should see less targets, but at least Ebron is now cheaper than Doyle and seeing more volume. And we'll see what happens with Hilton and Funches. Some interest there. Irv Smith Jr. played the most snaps of the season and ran his most routes. He's been very consistent. He's a punt tight end at 3,100, who's probably touchdown dependent. And Luke Stocker filling in for the high usage, high upside role of Austin Hooper. Probably nowhere near the tight end as Austin Hooper, but he's at least worth mentioning as a punt option so far. So, let me get this back to the target off and cheat for everybody on the YouTuber right now. Thank you for tuning into this episode and this podcast and video version. My name is Sal Vetri. I really do appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button and the five-star rate and review. It takes a couple seconds, and trust me, it is the most important thing. If you get any value from this videos, you enjoy listening to them for entertainment purposes, you actually think I provide good information, please, whether you're listening on the video version or the, pod- or the podcast, hit that five stars and leave a review. It helps me by far the most to potentially continue to grow. And the more that I grow, the more content that I can produce because it obviously just stays consistent. Well, I can't even talk. Consistently sustainable at that point. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Check out the rest of the content on this channel. Be sure to check out my Patreon exclusive content linked up down below. NBA projections every single day and my model. And then today right now is Tuesday. So I'll be finishing up. I got the snap count notes up from last week, finishing up, updating all the projection sheets for the NFL, getting those out there tomorrow as well as my game-by-game notes we'll be releasing throughout the week and more. So thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Sal. You already know that. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much, and I will see you in the next one.